0: This is the Canadian Society of Cinematographers podcast. Join us as Canada's cinematographers discuss the tools and techniques they use in shaping the aesthetics of their current projects. This podcast features director of photography Dylan McLeod, CSC, in conversation with Carolyn Wong of the CSC Executive. In this first part of a two-part series, McLeod talks about his prep work for director Ingrid Veninger’s next feature film, with principal photography commencing in February 2015. This interview was recorded on December 17, 2014. Hi, I'm Dylan McLeod. It's um, December of 2014. I'm about to embark on a feature film project with director Ingrid Venninger in February. And I thought it would be an interesting idea to have a chat about the pre-production that we're going through currently in the planning for the film because the sort of unique aspect of the project, a lot of it's going to be improvised, a lot of it is kind of unknown at this point. I thought it would be interesting to kind of get a perspective on this sort of where we're at now and what we're thinking going into the shoot and then maybe do a follow-up in a few months after the, the film's completed.
1: And so where is it going to be filmed?
0: We're shooting in uh, Chile. Ingrid's, uh, she. this will be her fifth feature film. Her, All her previous four feature films have she's pretty much financed completely on her own. She's you know raised some money after the fact, but they're all sort of labors of love for her. A lot of uh, her previous films she's cast her daughter, her son, very personal projects, very personal approach, and it comes across in the films. So this film as well is going to be a similar style. Of course, her her family's not in it, but it is. uh, It's it's literally just uh, Ingrid, myself, and a sound person. We're shooting. uh, It's completely stripped down crew. Even less than what a documentary crew would be, and then we have uh, an actor that she met in Chile. She met her, him as a translator, and they really had made a connection. When she was down there, she was down there for a film festival. He was her translator, and before she left Chile, she said to him, "I'm gonna write it. I'm gonna write something for you." And that's what this project is. Wow. Um, it's currently untitled, and there's currently no script. There's there's a definite idea of what the film wants to be with an intentional sort of um, open-endedness to aspects of it. So she's kind of come up with a concept, a sort of beginning to the film and, and sort of where it wants to end up. But a lot of it is, is going to be exploration, and that's why there's no script, because she wants to be a little bit open to what happens on the road with, with the film and responding to things as they happen. There's going to be a little bit of sort of method acting involved in that she does want our actor to kind of stay in character for a lot of the time we're together down there so that as we pull over to the side of the road and go for lunch somewhere something interesting might happen, we might pull the camera out and start shooting and then we might mold things a little bit to, to uh, if, you know, so it's not going to be totally documentary style but there, so there will be some molding of stuff but um, that's the general idea. I mean for me the big challenge was um, knowing, like I've seen uh, all of Ingrid's features and I know that her shooting style is this way and it's not something that I'm accustomed to. I'm accustomed to having a, a a full crew and working with, you know, big cameras and so for me the challenge was refreshing and I was a little hesitant initially to to dive into it but now that I have I'm I'm so happy I have and it's it's been a whole sort of sort of cascading of new sort of ideas and approaches. So, you know, with that in mind I started looking at uh, DSLR cameras, like compact cameras, because I knew we couldn't bring any larger cameras down. And what really sort of piqued my interest was was the new Sony A7S. Well, some of the tests I had seen with it shooting in low light and, and moonlight, especially, got me really curious. And it's not it's not normal that you can kind of impose a technique onto a script. Generally, you look at the script and it tells you, it kind of informs you of how you should do things. But because of Ingrid's sort of approach to filmmaking. It lends itself very well to kind of taking an interesting photographic idea and putting it out there and seeing how it can work with the story. So, you know, I think uh, when I mentioned that to Ingrid and I I showed her a test that I shot, we all got pretty excited about the prospect of shooting in full moonlight. So we adjusted the schedule slightly so that we can end up in the Atacama Desert during a full moon, and that's you know there's observatories there, so it's it's like it's pretty pretty guaranteed to be brilliant place to shoot moonlight. So.
1: Have you shot doc? This is kind of like a documentary fiction.
0: Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it it is going to, we're definitely talking about, you know, sort of the style of it and the lensing and the, like we're talking about all the usual sort of cinematographic kind of language of how we want that to sort of influence the story and how we shoot. So it's not going to be run and gun, you know, th- we're definitely going to compose shots. We're going to, we will, in, in certain circumstances, block stuff. There there might even be, there's there's one scene in particular that we're hoping to shoot in a bar that will involve maybe um, getting a few extra actors, but we will use the real environment and get permissions after we walk in with our cameras and stuff like that. Like, it's not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So,
1: well, yeah, well, her style is not run and gun. I mean, she's it's quite beautiful. It's quite relaxed, her framing generally. So I can see with this kind of concept that, it's going to be kind of beautiful.
0: I yeah, think. no, definitely. And that's, you know, you know, beautiful in, in, in a way that, like, because, you know, as I'm learning now, because this is my first time shooting a feature with Ingrid, I have worked with her in the past. She produced um, a short film I did, and I've known her for years. But as I'm discovering is, yeah, it is very much about creating, you know, a naturalistic kind of approach to the filmmaking with an, an eye to making nice-looking images. But it's not about, you know, beauty for beauty's sake and, and you know, and, and not getting too stylized. So,
1: you, Have you shot documentary? What is your background?
0: I've, I've shot some documentary, but, the, you know, even the minimum crew size I've had, I've had an assistant, I've had a lighting grip person, there's been an assistant director. You know, there's been like five or six of us, which is kind of the smallest kind of doc-style crew I've worked with. I've never sort of had to pull my own focus before, <laughs> um, and it, this is especially difficult. I don't know if you noticed in the test I just showed you, but it's especially difficult to to pull focus in the dark, shooting in moonlight when there's nothing <laughs> to see. So, so I'm, I'm, that, that's something that the test informed me of, as well as I have to come up with a system for be, effectively being able to get focus in the dark. So I'm trying to think of some a, a large kind of card I can make for wide shots that has a very simple kind of X on it or something like that that I can you know, use the peaking and camera to, you know, so I'm, for me, it's kind of a just, like it's stuff that my assistants have always done and I'm having to kind of find ways myself to, to do this on the fly quickly, so I can still be available as a cinematographer and a cameraman, and but still do the duties of, you know.
1: Right, because it's quite pared so it's just, you'll be doing, you're the camera department. Everything, I'll be
0: offloading data at the end of the day, and, you know, like, so yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's me, it's me, there's a sound guy, he'll be responsible for his own sound files and everything like that, but it's essentially just the two of us and Ingrid and an actor. We've got two uh, production assistants, one that's going to act as a driver, because we're covering a lot of territory, we're going to probably, I can't remember the the kilometre count, but um, originally we were going to drive from the north end of Chile to the south end of Chile because part of the story for Ingrid is that sort of evolution of how the the landscape changes in Chile from the north to the south. You get uh, the whole gamut of flora and fauna going, you know, in in that one country and I think that's part of the evolution she wants to be evident in the film. Um, It turned out to be not practical for us to really Start all the way in the north and go to the south. So we're kind of starting in the middle. We're we're flying into Santiago. We're gonna we're gonna drive probably about six hours north to the the desert and start shooting there. And then we'll progress south to an island called Chaitan, um which is it was hit by a volcano a few years ago. But it's supposed to be just a beautiful location. And you know at that point you're kind of getting into um, a rainforest and stuff like that. So you, you're going to go from the arid, dry into the the rainforest. And are prospect, you so. going to
1: veer into the mountains at all, or is it? Is
0: well, that's what we're going to we'll discover on the way. We're kind of we're kind of picking some key locations, and we're relying very much on the actor, who's again because of the nature of the style of the shoot, he's also our location manager, our line producer. You know, he's <laughs> kind of fulfilling a lot of roles.
1: So, it, with the, you're talking about the moonlight, there's going to be a lot of nighttime shooting?
0: There won't be a lot of nighttime shooting, there's only really a small window of, like there's a full moon I think on February the 3rd, and we're flying into Santiago on the 1st. So, we're essentially, uh, we're shooting a quick scene the night we arrive in, in the actual actor's apartment, and then we're going to drive north the next day. And then on the third, which is the full moon, we'll shoot that night, we'll shoot a scene. And we may shoot, because, you know, either side of the full moon, there's two or three nights where it'll still be pretty big in the sky, we can still get good exposure. But the other thing that occurred to me watching the tests that I did was the, it's nice to have the full moon as your key light, you know, as, you know, sort of incident light falling on objects. But really, the best time to see the stars is when there is no moon. So we're also going to try to create some opportunities two weeks later when it's the new moon and there's no moon in the sky to do some stuff with with stars and more sort of silhouetted and maybe i'm going to probably carry one little light pad led with me so maybe i could kind of just do a little edge light on the actor and then have the stars as this sort of wall in the background so there's a couple of spots we're kind of hoping to be able to sort of make that work but again it's not the driving force of the film it's just going to hopefully just be a little nice little touch
1: so that's your lighting package
0: that's my light <laughs> package, a 3-inch by 12-inch Roscoe light pad. <laughs> um, but the
1: tests that you showed me like, are amazing, especially seeing the stars at night. Yeah, you know, and like that's... the glow of the city, I mean, whether you'll have that same kind of glow, because, you know, you did the test here in Ontario. That's right. And you yeah. saw the glow of Toronto way in the background, which it looked like almost the sun had set. Yeah. And then the moon was up, and then you could see the stars. It's quite amazing how it can read so much.
0: Yeah, well, that's, you know, the, the the thing, that's what's sort of intriguing me most about the camera is that, you know, really, in in motion photography, you've never had the ability to kind of do this sort of photography. We see it all the time in stills with long exposures. That's because they can do long exposures. But so it's kind of exciting. I mean, I have a feeling you know by the time this interview even comes out or by the time this film ends up being screened you're gonna have seen it a bunch of times because now you know everybody has this tool in their hands now and I I bet you there's people all over the world right now going oh my god look what we can do so I I think it'll be a bit of um, a hot thing this year you're gonna see a lot of this kind of star photography but I'm excited about it because just as you know you know being in the business for so long it's just nice to have a new tool and a new opportunity to kind of see things in a way you've never been able to see them before
1: well, you know, the, the balance between um, car lights on the highway and then still reading the moon, and you didn't do any kind of
0: Yeah, well that's the other thing. Did you do any
1: compensation or any trickery? I mean
0: it, No, that was it's pretty quite balanced. Out. It's it's well that's acceptable.
1: It's acceptable.
0: Definitely, yeah. And that's I mean that's the other thing that uh, well, AA, one thing that concerned me about shooting, you know, basically exposing for the light of the full moon falling on a subject essentially means that any small lights in the background are going to be so burnt out. And I was worried about that sort of dynamic range kind of fight, but the camera actually has pretty good dynamic range as well. There's different, I've been testing a couple different settings. There is an S-Log2 setting in the camera, which is probably the best for capturing the most dynamic range. But unfortunately, you're kind of capped out, Your your lowest ISO is 3200. So that's pretty limiting for daytime shooting. So I've experimented with some of the other, um, there's a Cine Gamma 2 setting, which I found so far to be the best. It gives you, you know, fairly decent dynamic range. Yeah, so I think I'm gonna end up going that route. But yeah, so, in terms of what you were talking about, in terms of the, the car lights and the moon and all that, that's kind of the trick, is that once you've exposed for the area that the, the moon is lighting, you can't then spin around and see the moon because the exposure is just so bright. It's like trying to shoot the sun in the daytime. Same kind of idea. So, But the, the dynamic, dynamic range is there, so we will be able to, like, I'm not too worried about lights in the background and stuff like that. So. Yeah,
1: I mean, you would let it go because yeah. you want, it's a subject that you're, you're sort of concerned about yeah. and blowing it out just like in natural. Yeah, you're not worried
0: about detail and a street light in the background or something. So...
1: Will you just shoot it raw or are you going to do any kind of tests for...?
0: Well, right now it does look like we will be able to do um, a final color corrected Deluxe. Um, she has planned for that. She planned for that as well as a proper sound mix. Um, Rightly so, because you know it's uh, as much as picture. The sound is important. That's why we have a, a sound recordist with us, who apparently's worked a lot with Ingrid, and is really adept at just sort of capturing, yeah, mm-hmm. capturing sounds in the environment. In the same way we shoot B roll, I, I love it when you see sound recordists running over to something and recording it, because it's like that. That kind of informs how you, what you should be shooting too, because they might hear a sound that you didn't pick up on and go, Oh my god, I should shoot a close up of that water trickling, because you know that sound's going to be really cool and it could lead into the scene, you know, really nicely. So. So the kind of flexibility to shoot that way is, is something I'm really excited about, and again, it's not something I'm, I'm used to shooting. So, um, just the creative opportunities.
1: Yeah, well, kind it's quite exciting. a sort of an integrated concept that you have to be quite involved in. I mean, it, do you, do you anticipate um, probably a certain amount of time to sort of get in sync with Ingrid when you're actually there?
0: Yeah, well, it's funny. We shot a, um, yesterday, we we shot a workflow test, Uh, just really simple mechanical things like clip numbering resets every time you format a card. It's not, it's recording time code, but none of the um, editing systems can read the time code. So, so we basically, we shot a workflow test yesterday, but we also had some fun. We shot it here at my house and we did a little sort of, you know, Ingrid coming down the stairs, sitting down at the, you know just to kind of get a feel and it was like oh let's why don't we get a close-up of that you know so we started to kind of get a feel for each other too that way including um, our sound recordist Brayden and but you know like I said I mean I've known Ingrid for so many years um, and we have worked together in the producer her as a producer um, and she's just such an easygoing person and she also very much understands the limitations of working in the style that she's kind of Put forth for herself. So it's not like she's gonna ask for a long lens shot of somebody walking towards the camera and expect me to operate in full focus and get it all good, because it's just, it can't happen with such a pared down crew like this. So, you know, she she's already you know in that kind of headspace. And it's funny, we had a bit of a conversation because I was a little concerned about the the limited number of lenses we have. What are you bringing? Well we're, we're uh, bringing a, um, a Canon 24-70 to um, EF and then I've also got a Sigma uh, 35mm art lens, the 1.4 art lens. That lens combined with uh, this company called Metabones makes um, adapters for uh to convert lenses to different camera systems. So I I got a a Metabones speed booster adapter, which is basically what it is. It's meant as sort of a a reverse two times extender. It's essentially a wide angle converter, but built into it, it it actually, uh, you gain one stop of light when you add this in. So, you know, my thinking was get the Sigma 1.4 1.4 lens, which is already fast, get the speed booster, and now I'm shooting in a T1.0 with a camera that can shoot clean, well, clean, fairly clean, up to 40,000 ISO. It goes up to 500,000, but I found 40 is kind of it. So those combinations, I was just like, this is unbelievable. So <laughs> Good luck, focus, believe Yeah, Well, exactly. And that's <laughs> so it. that's it essentially, you know, and that's that's why, you know, again, working with Ingrid, she, she gets that, and, and that's, you know, talking about the sort of working... Um, how it's going to how 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 the working relationship's going to go she's she's very receptive to the idea of of having limitations imposed and this is what we were talking about when I when I said, you know I'm a little concerned about the twenty four to seventy because I kind of feel like the 70 mil might not be tight enough for certain situations, especially if we're trying to be incognito and it means I gotta be four feet away from somebody to get a close up. It's not really incognito. And so we had a little bit of back back and forth and she was like, you know what, I'm fine with it. And in fact, I kind of like having certain limitations like that. And I think, you know, it's a practical approach, obviously, because of the budget. We don't have we, we can't just bring tons of stuff. It's and it's not practical from a time standpoint either. We can't be swapping lenses when every time we wanna get a close up and you know, I, I do want to have fairly decent quality lenses. That's why the, the twenty-four to seventy is is it's a good quality lens. I could probably get an eighteen to two hundred cheap lens, but I don't really want to go there for the speed and the the quality of the glass and all that. So we'll work with the limitation of having just those two lenses to work with, basically. I'm also going to bring. I have a um, a lens baby kit, so we'll probably use a little bit of that. There's some macro photography she wants to do, so I might use the lens baby to shoot the macro stuff. The lens baby it's got a very specific look, so I, I'm I try not to like, overuse it when, when, whenever I do use it, but it'll be nice for little accents here and there um, yeah. when, it's, when it's appropriate, you know.
1: Now, how are you, how, how are you going to, uh, what are you bringing over to store all the data on, like, what from downloading?
0: From uh, well, we're basically just going to bring two hard drives. It's, well, so far, I mean, the estimates we've done, yeah, we're bringing two, two times two terabyte hard drives. We're actually going to bring a third one, because what we discovered is if if our editor, with our workflow test yesterday, there's we're still unsure because of the time code problem, she may have to do manual syncing of all the footage, I know, which is a nightmare, so and we don't have a second AC so we're not like slating, we're like snapping our fingers and clapping our hands and so we did it in the test yesterday, She, you know she was playing around with the sort of pluralizing to kind of help sync because um, we're recording just ambient sound from the camera and then with his recorded sound the pluralizer is able to kind of lock them together but she still has to do a little bit of work to kind of rough all the clips roughly together so you know, we were talking about, okay, what happens, you know, we're going to come back with 50, 60 hours of footage. How long is that going to take you to, you know, so, and then we started to do the math and it was like, it's going to take her like almost a month just to sync the footage up. So, you know, one thought was to, um, break off essentially partway through the trip, whatever we've shot up in two weeks in just FedEx a hard drive back to her. So she at least has that two week bumper of, getting the first bit of footage back. So we'll probably bring, you know, a third hard drive to kind of branch off to her. But yeah, that's essentially it. We'll have, you know, two laptops. So I'll I'll carry as much footage on my laptop as I can as a third option. But yeah, essentially just the two hard drives.
1: Yeah, so it's it's a road movie. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll just be... Driving, stopping, yeah, plugging I mean, in everything every night. <laughs> exactly, yeah.
0: So I mean there was there was talk at one point that we might have... there are some places we were gonna end up in that were pretty isolated and we might have to camp and stuff like that. And I was I was a little concerned about that just from well, from a number of aspects is that yeah, yeah, like we have to we have to charge batteries. You know, we are getting inverters, we're making sure we have cars that have lighter plugs. You know, we're kinda of thinking about all that stuff, but at the same time we do kinda of need a home base. I need to at the end of the shoot day, I need to offload all this footage, I need to back up drives, I need to you know, uh,
1: Yeah, it's decompress and
0: Kind of reorganize. Yeah, kind of, yeah, there's a whole you know three, four hours of work when the day's done. Yeah, yeah. So um so we, yeah, with with altering the schedule and with that in mind, we've kind of she's already booked all the accommodations. So we're pretty much, you know, staying in some pretty low-key places and uh you know, nothing fancy, but most places have Wi-Fi and serve you breakfast and have a place to plug in your you know, it's not it's not that uncivilized.
1: So in a way, you you just how do you how much can you prepare when you have a concept? And you're kinda of preparing for everything.
0: Yeah, well that's the thing. And that's you know, so so basically what what Ingrid's done is she's done sort of what she's called like a beat sheet and that she sent to me. It was about, I don't know, sixty-five little one sentence points of you know, generally, what she thinks she needs to kind of have the, the the skeleton of a story, and she's included little descriptions. Like, you know, one thing that I you know kind of uh, clicked was like, you know, overhead shot of him lying in a bed. So I'm like, okay, I got to think about how to rig the camera overhead. And We're going to do something really simple, just with uh, with the um, the mic boom pole. Um, I'll strip the camera right down because it's a mirrorless camera, weighs nothing. Screw it into the end of the the uh, boom pole and there's our overhead shot for the bed. The great thing about the camera too, is that it's got a wireless function that allows us to use our smartphones wirelessly to monitor what's on the camera. So <laughs> There's no time code, but man, we can see You can see, everything. We can see everything on our phone. So that was a total bonus. So so shots like that are going to become a little more achievable. Initially, I was thinking I'm going to have to get a remote, some kind of a remote cable, and, you know, so it's it's going to make it really kind of, because there are a few overhead shots that she wants. We were actually talking at one point about getting a drone down there, and I actually even started drone training. I got a little... Uh, trainer drone was doing that, but it's just looking like it's it's not going to be feasible, but we do still want to get some overhead shots, because it's important kind of thematically to get these kind of mm. so we're we're A, trying to find locations that can maybe um, give us sort of precipices to get up on and shoot high angles of this truck in the desert, and then you know, barring that, it's me kind of standing on the roof with a boom pole with a camera on the end of it you know, to get just static overhead shots, so.
1: But perhaps, I mean, there's there is a film industry down there, you know there could be opportunity to Possibly, well, there's something, yeah, or there somebody is. to do a nice aerial.
0: There is. I mean, we looked into, uh, and that's what we were going to do. We were going to rent the drone down there for a couple weeks, um, and it was going to be a drone that I that could be the same model that I could use up here and practice with, so I can you know kind of get dialed in with that. But it comes down to budget. There's like this is a micro budget. It's 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 her own personal money. She's hoping for some arts council funding. Um, and that's the other thing that should be noted is, this is an experimental feature. This is not a traditional narrative feature. Probably from the description I've already given it, you kind of get that sense. But, you know, the funding's hopefully um, coming through from Arts Council, so it is very much about, uh, like it's it's all gonna be uh, subtitled, it's no English, and it wants to be very just sort of visually evocative. Um, and the story is, as I said, in those beat the, the beat sheet where she's kind of given those, they're all very general ideas. It's it's be, essentially, the very basic story is it's uh, we meet um, our main actor, he's got an urn of ashes, and he's going to uh, travel to a place where he wants to deliver the ashes to. And throughout the film, he discovers it's, it was uh, a lover of his that he had who was uh, killed. And he's fulfilling a wish that they had together to go and visit this destination. So the idea is is to kind of get that out of the way almost at the very beginning of the the, the film, so that the audience isn't so driven by plot. It's like, okay, we know what he's doing. He's going to take these ashes somewhere and now let's just sit back and enjoy the ride is kind of the, uh, the concept and then what that ride is we'll discover on the trip we don't really know yet <laughs> yeah. So. so
1: yeah well, it, it, you're preparing as much as you can for sort of a, an experimental process
0: yeah, which, you know, the thing is, and we don't have the luxury of money and we can't take everything with us in the event that everything's going to happen. So, I've, you know, I've been asking the questions like, do we want to do any car rigs? Do we want to do, you know, just trying to anticipate what kind of situations we're going to find ourselves in and, and make sure we're kind, of, we're kind of covered. So
1: Yeah, well, it's kind of a, almost a slash, you know, cinema verite, because you're going to be just sort of be there.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And
1: be a bit of a fly, because I'm sure she'll be talking to her actors, so you're just going to... So there's a good sort of exper- experimental slash process sort of slash center sort of Because yeah, yeah. you don't need much. It sounds like, you know, it's a narrative that's going to drive it.
0: And it, Yeah, and a narrative, I mean, that, that I think also, um, I just saw the movie Force Majeure uh, a few days ago, and very much like that movie, I think the landscape is so much of a character in the film, and that's, that's so much of what we're relying on to, you know, at least I'm relying on it. There's no production <laughs> designer, right? So God is our production designer. <laughs> it's like... Um, we're relying on just the beauty of nature and finding great locations and um, the best way to maximize those. And, you know, like I was saying, like shooting in moonlight, shooting landscapes like that in moonlight, like you, you've never seen that Oh, it's going right? to be, it's, it's going like, to be amazing. I just can't, I can't wait. This has been the Canadian Society of Cinematographers podcast. The CSC is a non-profit organization that has been promoting the art and craft of cinematography in Canada since 1957. Find out more by logging on to the csc.ca. Thank you for joining us.